Point Church family, will you stand with us as we worship the Lord? We thank you, Lord. We invite you in this house today. Invite your presence into the oh Lord.
fail. They never fail. You never fail. Presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Sing it one more time. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Give praise this morning. Amen. The baptism this morning. to be here with us, with her. She has known Jesus for a long time, but over the last few months, she's really been yearning for more. She knew she needed more. So she has talked and prayed um, with Tiffany and Jan and myself, and she's ready today to commit her life, to identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, to raise in a new life and to have that hope and that anchor that we all crave and yearn for, and that we have a place in our heart for. So, Jessica, we're so glad that you're here. We're so proud of you and your courage. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Mm-hmm. I believe I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Jessica, because of that good confession, it's my honor to baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, your constant 24-7 comforter and counselor. Okay? Okay. Shelby Christian, and I was reading this week, you know, I like to read, I read about a book a week, so I'm constantly reading. I read this story this week about a man named Jermaine Johnson and a woman named Michelle Stivers. Well, these two worked together, and they went and they had lunch a couple of times a week and developed a friendship, and one day Michelle broke down to Jermaine and told her about how much she was suffering. She was having chronic pain. She was blacking out. And it turned out that her kidneys had shut down. And she was on dialysis and had been for 11 months. And she was slowly dying. Well, Jermaine couldn't stand watching her do this. So he gave her kidney to her. And so from that day on, three times a month, they meet for a grateful lunch. Being grateful, how awesome that is. You see, today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a Sunday that we get to celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon each and every one of us that went through that pool that accepted him into our hearts. We have something to be grateful for. 
For Christ said he would never leave us alone, that he would be with us forever. And he is in the spirit of God. And this morning as we take time to celebrate in communion, it is a time to remember that the Holy Spirit is here. It is here. And he moves among us. So as you go and you get the communion stations and you get that little bread and that little cup, I pray that it reminds you of the great sacrifice Jesus gave for us. But most of all, when he resurrected and Pentecost came, we now have the spirit of God in each ever one of us. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you. We just thank you this morning for being the great and awesome God that you are. And Father, I pray this morning, just like on Pentecost, that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon this place. Father, that you would just move among your people. That anyone who would walk through that door would be blown away by the Spirit, Father, that we know that you have sent to this earth for us. And Father, I just praise you. Thank you for what your son did in giving his life up for us. Father, we love you. And we know how much you love us because of your son's sacrifice. It is in his name we pray. Amen. surrender. This is my surrender. Here is 
After everything that has happened in our world in the last six months, is there any doubt that we need revival to hit the streets? That we need change? That we need change that starts in our hearts and and, and passes on to our streets, that passes on to our state and our nation and our world? Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. I know that he can. But here's the deal. Life at best is a struggle. It's a struggle at best. And so we need to go big if we're going to allow God to work through us to make a difference. Now, some would say that life is a gamble. Go big or go home. I want to suggest that life is a challenge. And I want us, I think we need to go big so that others can go home. So that others can be changed. So that others can find out about a wonder-working God. People like to gamble. There's actually a movie coming out uh, in a couple of weeks that's called Jerry and Marge Go Large. Alright? And it's inspired by this remarkable true story about this couple in Massachusetts that figure out some way to work the Massachusetts lottery to where they almost always win. And it's a true story and they want, they made millions of dollars, but they used it not for themselves. They used their winnings to revive their community and to make a difference. And it sounds so great, but we gotta be careful because the pursuit of gambling has that chance of reward, <laughs> but truth always comes after the but, right? <laughs> it also has a chance of destroying our lives. There, there's great stories that you hear. You hear about people winning big. You hear about the guy that loses his job and stops at a casino on the way home and spends the last dollar he has in a slot machine and wins millions of dollars and two weeks later goes back to the very same slot machine and wins $26 million. You hear those stories. But you hear story after story after story of people who win big and in a short matter of time are broken, miserable, like Evelyn Adams who won the New Jersey lottery not just once but twice in 1985 and 86, two years in a row to the tune of $5.4 million and today all the money's gone and she's living in a trailer. William Bud Post won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery in 1988 but now lives only on his social security. You know, those stories just keep happening over and over and over again. See, here's the difference. The difference between a gamble and a challenge is that if you lose a gamble, you could lose not on your own faults. You can lose completely just by chance, just like you won by chance. You can lose and... Because of the mistakes of other people 
on a gamble. There's no guarantees in a gamble. But challenges, challenges have an attainable reward if you'll work toward that challenge. But see, here's the difference. Challenges come in an if-then scenario. If you do this and work really hard, if you decide that you want to get in shape, and if you watch what you eat, and if you work out, and if you do a whole bunch, then that will happen. There are challenges that are always tied to that if-then scenario, but here's the problem. Most of us want the then-if. Give me what I want, then I'll do whatever I need to do. Or some of us just want to leave out the if completely, that we don't have to do anything at all. If you've got a Bible with you this morning, I want you to open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. There's this amazing story in John chapter 13. As Bobby said, today is Pentecost Sunday. The Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after the Passover. It's after this thing that we experienced and, and that it was life-changing, but it's this day that the church started. And the church didn't, or the Pentecost wasn't created for the church to start. It's just when the church started, they were already celebrating Pentecost, and that's when God chose to start the church in Acts chapter 2. And, and, but here in John chapter 13, it's right before the Passover celebration, which is the lead up to Pentecost and, and day and weeks to come. And it says in verse 1, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. Right? Jesus knows this is it. The time's getting really close. Uh, it's almost time for me to go back. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry. He had, he had discipled them. He had taught them. He had spent time with them during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2 says, it was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, one of the disciples, the, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Can you imagine that moment? Now, in, in that day and time, they would the table wasn't like our kitchen table. It was a very low, they, they sat on the floor. They reclined, they kind of leaned on their elbow while they ate. So if you think about that, that meant that everybody around the table has got somebody's feet in their face. That's why washing feet was so important. And it was the tradition, it was the custom, that when you came into someone's house for a celebration dinner, then there would be somebody there to wash your feet. Because you had been walking in sandals and your feet were dirty and nobody wants your dirty feet in their face And so can you imagine that moment? These are these are not strangers. These are Jesus inner circle These are the ones that he'd spent the last three years with these are people who had been there with him Can you imagine the look on their face when Jesus stood up? walked over and took the picture and poured water into the bowl and got a towel and got down and started washing their feet. 
Can you imagine that moment? That's the moment that we're at here in Scripture. Jesus has just done this, and he gets to Simon Peter. Simon, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. He thought he was saying good stuff all the time, like in the garden, and nobody's going to take you, and he pulls out his sword. I'll die before I'll let anything happen to you. Right here, he says, no, Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, you you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Jesus says, no way. No way are you going to wash my feet. No way is that going to happen. Notice what Peter didn't say. Notice Peter didn't say, here, Lord, give me the towel. (laughs) He didn't say, let me do what was supposed to have already been done. He just said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, okay, fine. But unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. (laughs) Peter thinks for like a split millisecond says, okay, then wash my hands and my head as well. Give me a bath, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, because you're out there walking, you've walked in dirt, just clean off what was dirty. In your life, even after you've given your life to Jesus, just like we watched Jessica do, there will be moments when your feet will get dirty. You with me? There'll be moments when just going through life, then stuff's going to happen. And it doesn't need, mean that you aren't saved. It doesn't mean that you aren't in relate. But you need to clean up what you've messed up. You need to take care of whatever the problem is. For Jesus knew who would betray him. He had said, all of you are my disciples are clean, but not all of, or not all of you are clean. For he knew who would betray him. That is what he meant. He said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Have you ever been in that moment when, when somebody said, maybe your parents or a teacher or maybe your spouse, or you, you get what I'm talking about? And you're, you know the, you know the answer that they're searching for is, yeah, I got it. And you know in your mind, I ain't got it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I don't know. Jesus says, do you guys understand what I, what I was doing there? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right about that, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I imagine some of them were looking at each other going, okay, yeah, maybe he, I'll, maybe him, he kind of takes care of me. I ain't touching your feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. See, what was going on here is Jesus is giving, not not the final, but a final, one of the last messages about something that's on that wall about part of our DNA, about part of how we're supposed to live, and that is to serve. That is to serve. The one who should have been served showed us how to serve. He's with his close friends at this very important Jewish Passover meal, and and as we said, the tradition was to wash feet. They're all sitting there, and there's no foot washer. I... I just 
I just wrestled all week in thinking about this with what was going through their mind when Jesus picked up the towel. Because they knew what was supposed to be happening. They knew, they, they all knew there was nobody going, what's he doing? Everybody was understanding. Somebody was supposed to be here to wash their feet. Who dropped the ball on this one? Who dropped, like, you know, you only had one job. That was your, didn't you get the assignment? Come I mean, somebody's supposed to do this. They all were thinking that, but none of them did anything about it. And so they watched Jesus get up and do it. He, he took off his outer garments. Look back, look back in verse four there. It says he took off his outer garments. And it's plural to denote, he took off everything. Cause notice that it doesn't say garment. It says garments. It didn't like say he took off his jacket. Basically what that text is saying is Jesus stripped down to his loincloth. Yeah, we all have nightmares about walking out in public in our underwear, right? Is it just me? And so Jesus does that at this dinner party. But here's the interesting thing. He's pointing them already. He's pointing them to the cross and what's about to happen. Because in just a matter of days, Jesus is hoisted up on a cross, nothing but his loincloth. In fact, when it says, it says that in the, it's the same wording, actually, that laid the clothes aside. If you go forward and you read about the crucifixion, it says that's what the soldiers did. They took Jesus' clothes and laid them aside. It's the same word is right here. Jesus is giving them an image of what's about to happen. And he takes this towel, dresses himself in the garment of a servant. It, 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 it was like he would go back out and put on the, the servant's outfit, not the master's outfit. And he begins to serve. It reveals the very nature of God and what it means to following. In First Peter chapter 5, it tells us that every one of you should clothe yourself in humility. Is this one of the greatest acts of humility? Is this one of the greatest acts of humility that you can imagine? Some of you, some of you that are somewhat veterans of Scripture, walked in this morning and saw this sitting on the stage and wondered what was about to happen. And there was this moment of panic that went through you. Are they going to wash my feet or are they going to expect me to wash somebody else's? And, and, and for some, it could be like, you know, a heart palpitation. Like, are we, we going to stop here? You see, we care so much about how we look physically. We work on that. Some of us more than others. But we get up and, and hopefully we, we brush our teeth and comb our hair if, if you're that blessed. And, you know, we, we do whatever because we care about what we look like physically but do we care about what we look like spiritually? About how we're living our lives? And Jesus poured water into a basin and washed every single foot in the room completely. Completely. 
It's an image of what he was doing for us by coming. He was coming for everyone so that everyone could be completely clean. And he asked them, do you understand what I'm doing? What are you saying? Oh, you say you want to follow me? You say you want to follow me? You want to be there when the miracles are happening. You want to be there when lame men start walking. You want to be there when blind men see. You want to be there when Lazarus walks out of the tomb. You want to be there for the good stuff. Do you want to wash feet? Do you want to get serious about getting in the game? Do you want to go big? See, I think there's two truths in this story. And so I want to encourage you to take that challenge. I I want to encourage you to live in such a way that is actually bigger than your life. The biggest dreams you have for your future, for your kids' future, for your grandkids' future, I want you to start thinking in such a way that's even bigger. And to do that, to do that, you might just have to humble yourself and take up a towel and serve other people. For the common good, not only of your life, but of all lives, to make a difference. Now, don't get too caught up on foot washing, all right? We live in a different time and a different culture. Not to say that people's feet don't still stink, but it's a different time and a different place. So don't, don't get caught up on that and make that the end all, but it's an attitude that serves. Jesus Spirit calls us to simple, simple, yet profound acts of kindness. Simple acts of kindness like opening the door for someone or holding the door open for someone. And and not just for the elderly, although that should be at the top of your list. Not just for the cripple, although that should be at the top of your list. But what about just being nice enough to hold the door for the person that's coming in right behind you? Just being nice. Being nice. Not worrying about that you might be the one to get stuck there. You, you know, because it's all happened. It's happened to all of us, right? That like you, you're hoping the door and you, you really were intending, like you were intending, let's be real, to open it just for like the person that you were with. And next thing you know, you're standing there while 20 people come by and you're smiling like, yeah, this, like you never intended to do that. You were just stuck there. What if you intended to do that? If that's the kind, if you intend to do that, then you need to see Brett just as soon as service is over. Because we've got this role called greeter that we need to put you in. Where you don't wait for people to get inside, that you're going outside and opening the doors and standing outside and saying, man, we are so glad that you are here. And you're just serving people. You're just serving people. Maybe it's, you know that, remember when we most all of us, even if you didn't finish high school, most of us finished kindergarten, right? Most of us at least finished kindergarten. And isn't that about the time that they taught us please and thank you? Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you did for me. And it's, it's really interesting now. Some of you have done this. And I know we've, we've, we've watched and, uh, Brock and Evan have done it with their girls and they've taught them to say please and thank you before they could even speak. With sign language of just saying thank you. 
Thank you. Because we want our kids, our grandkids, we want people to know that that's just the way that we're supposed to live our lives. What if it's about, you know, like actually sharing the remote? Or, or maybe even having a discussion. What do you want to watch? Not just to automatically go into your channel and do your thing. What if about if it's taking out the trash? What if it's just being nice in the name of Jesus? See, true disciples, because that's what this is really all about. This whole idea of going big is all about the commission that we have been given. You remember that one, right? You remember what Jesus said? While you're going about your everyday, ordinary Monday, while you're out there doing your thing, make disciples. Make disciples. And so while you're like washing feet, while you're opening doors, while you're saying please and thank you, you are creating opportunities to make disciples. To make disciples who will make disciples who will make more disciples. Because true disciples will grow on inside, grow inside of themselves and an immediate response mechanism that instinctively serves others. Instinctively serves others. Because it's what Jesus did. And the disciple is not greater than his teacher. He becomes like his teacher. And so if we're going to become like Jesus, we're going to serve others. It's not just a banner on the wall. It's how we're called to live. Is there any place in your life where you're just standing around kind of like the disciples around the table? Just waiting for someone to do the right thing. Helping out at the house, being fair at work, forgiving others. You're just waiting for someone to do the right thing. What if you did it? What if you as a disciple of Jesus said, I'm going to live like Jesus did, and I'm going to do the things that Jesus did to the very best of my ability? Is there a person that doesn't know Jesus that comes to mind that would be the greatest gamble for you to go to? We talk about who's your one. We we talk about who's your one. You follow me? We talk about who's your one. What if we really had one? Every one of us. What if we really had one that we really cared about, that we cared enough about, that we wanted them to know and understand Jesus, and the only way that they could do that in their simple state that they're at right now is to actually, like, see Jesus in the way that you live, the way that I live, the way that we present ourselves. The biggest enemies to finding our one is this attitude of, Waiting for somebody to find us. A self-serving mindset. You know, the, the, you know, you go to a, a hotel, a nice, a nice hotel, and, and there's, there's, there's this person with this weird title. They actually have a desk that has that title above the desk. You go and you talk to the concierge. You don't ever use that word any in life unless you're at a hotel, right? All right, but the, what's the concierge there for? To help you figure out whatever you want to do, and to make it possible for you. 
And, and, and the ultimate concierge, they actually started a restaurant that serves chicken. And they tell you, it's my pleasure to serve you. And by the way, that organization that serves chicken because it's their pleasure is the number one grossing fast food chain in the world. And they're not even open on Sundays. Go figure that one out. I vote we just let them run the world. Everybody in favor? The second truth. First truth is this. You need to humble yourself and take up your towel. The second one is this. When you do that, he will bless you. He will bless whoever does these things. That's just in his nature. That's who he is. And so if you take the challenge to live a life that is bigger than your own life, you will be blessed. So guess what? Go big. Go big so that others can go home. Do you believe Jesus's promises? Do you believe what he said? Then go big. Go big. He promised you big. Are you, what are you banking your fulfillment on? You banking your fulfillment on your 401k or 403b or anything else here on this earth? You better be banking it on the one who took up a towel and washed feet. So go big. Go big. I, I, I want to kind of wrap this up today with giving you a challenge. The challenge that God is calling you to is to live outside of yourself. To have a true out-of-body experience. Not something that happens at the end of your life when you can see a light or you see yourself. Not that kind of -of out-of-body experience. But a kind of -of out-of-body experience where you just live beyond you. Where you actually live out what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to go big outside of me. Some of the smartest people in the world, in the world have gambled on the wrong thing. And they may have even thought they won, but they gambled on the wrong thing, and it took them nowhere, and it didn't last. Solomon went through this one error in his life of not denying himself of anything. Anything. He'd figured out how to have it all. And then he said, but as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish. It was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Anywhere. Thought I had it all. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. The one who got to build the temple. I thought I had it all. And I realized it was like chasing the wind. It was meaningless. Jesus said this in Mark's gospel, and Mark recorded it this way in chapter 8. He said in verse 35, if you try to hang on to your life, guess what? You'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? See, guys, you can play it safe. 
You can be assured of going to heaven with the people that are sitting next to you. Or you can take a chance. You, you, you can lose yourself and take some others with you. You know, you know, you know the, the, the statistic that like, like drives me like crazy. The, the metrics that we, we love tracking how many baptisms that we have in a year. And, and as of what just happened a few moments ago, we're like at 34, 35 somewhere and maybe 37, 30, I don't know, somewhere in there. But here's the, here's the thing that gets me excited. Do you know as of right now, that was about the 22nd person that's baptized somebody this year. That's disciples making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. That's how this thing was designed. And somewhere along the way, we screwed it up and we said, let the pastor do it all. Let the pastor do it all. Let the pastor bring people. Let the pastor baptize people. Do you know the two greatest preachers ever lived on this planet were a guy named Jesus and a guy named Paul? And both of them says in here, they, they intentionally let other people do the baptizing because they had too much to do in teaching and preaching. They had other things to do and they didn't want people to get caught up. Well, I was baptized by him. I was baptized by that person. No, they didn't want none of that. They said, we're just going to do this. You guys go ahead and take care of all that stuff. How do you think they baptized 3,000 people in one day on the day of Pentecost? It was a whole bunch of people sharing with a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of beggars showing some more beggars where to find bread so that they could all live together. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Are you in? If so, go big. Go big. For that reason, we are called, we are called by the one who took up a towel and washed his disciples' feet. We are called by that leader to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and keep making disciples until King Jesus comes back for all his disciples to take us home. That's what we're called to do. In a moment... I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. We're glad that you're here today. We're so glad that you're here today. If it's your first time, we want you to stop out at the I'm New Wall. we got a gift for you out there. If you've been here a while and you've been thinking about it, we've got Pathways Tuesday night this week. You can either get online and sign up. You can go to the uh, next step room back here and see Bobby, or you can come down front and just tell me your name, and I'll sign you up. We'd love to have you here Tuesday night, especially if you're ready to say, I'm all in. I am all in. Let's go. Don't forget, this is Summer in the Word, and pick these up today, be reading. We're on day five today. We're on Matthew chapter 13 through 15. No problem catching up. And it also tells you on there how you can get the online devotions. And Father's Day is the last day to bring back your baby bottles for ALC. Also on Father's Day, in case you didn't pick up a bottle or you don't have change, we're going to take a love offering in all of our buckets on Father's Day that's all going to ALC to help out there. So that's what we're going to do. Yesterday, yesterday, Kim and I got to go to the 50th anniversary of a reunion for my home church where I was ordained. The interesting thing about that is that due to some tragic circumstances that happened a few years ago, that church no longer exists as a legal entity. It's no longer in existence. 
And so it was brutally painful yesterday to, to be there. I was a charter member. I was 10 years old when I, my family helped start that church. I was there on the first Sunday. There's a picture of all of us that were there on that day that became members that first day. I was a little kid over in the corner of a picture of a white shirt and tie. <laughs> like, that's kind of funny. Now, if you die, I wear a tie. Other than that, that's where we're at, you know? And... And we were there in the building. Southern Acres Christian Church no longer exists as a legal entity, but it's thriving. It's thriving. In the years that it did exist, 30 of us were ordained into Christian ministry and are leading local churches around the world. Several others are leading in Bible colleges. Several of the young ladies that grew up in our church married guys that are preaching in local churches. Yesterday, before the event started, some of the members who had been part of the Southern Acres family got together and packed 15,000 meals to be sent to people in Liberia that needed to eat. The church is still alive and well, even if it's not meeting in the building on a regular basis. There is a church there. There's a church now that's occupying the building that we built, that we grew up in. It's called King's Church. What a great name for a church. It's called King's Church. And their pastor, Brad Easley, was there yesterday and welcomed the Southern Acres family back in. When I stopped to talk to him, I said, just thank you for doing it. He said, how could I not do that? We wouldn't have a place to worship if it wasn't for you guys. How could we not share that he was there and welcomed us and, and stayed and his family participated in the celebration. And when he got up to talk, he shared that not only is the church that he pastors meeting there, but two other churches are meeting in that same facility every weekend. There's big rooms all over the place. Now that building that we thought was designed for our church, now there's three churches that are meeting there. There's a Christian homeschool co-op and there's a counseling center all meeting in that facility. It's alive and well and Jesus is being proclaimed. But but while we were there, Bart Rendell, who's been here and done, helped us with some consulting and stuff. His dad was the founding pastor. And so Bart shared some final thoughts and he talked about how, how the church, how the church was not intended to be a cruise ship. See, what is a cruise ship? You think about it. A cruise ship is really cool and it's fun. But on a cruise ship, there's a few hundred people and a few thousand people. Just There are a few hundred people that are working and a few thousand people that are just along for the ride and the entertainment. And Bart said the problem is that in too many churches today, they've turned into cruise ships. But the church wasn't designed to be a cruise ship. The church was designed to be a battleship or a warship where everybody on the ship had a job. And it was life and death, whether you're the captain or the cook, everybody had a job to maintain. And the purpose of that warship was to go out and to rescue and to save and to protect people that are wounded and hurting. And that's what the church is supposed to be because in the church, if anybody on a warship, if somebody doesn't do their job, people's lives are at stake. Do you realize people's lives are at stake if we don't do our job? If we turn this thing into a cruise ship and it's a one out of 168, you'll figure that out later on this afternoon. And that's all you're putting into it. And you're just on a cruise. This is not Norwegian. This is not Disney. This is not some other This is the church of Jesus Christ that is called to make disciples and to change the world. To change the world. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about this warship, it's a warship that's designed to worship. 
the king that we're called to protect, the king that we're called to serve, the king that we're called to glorify, the king that we're called to share. Listen to the message in Matthew chapter 12. It's so cool. This was our reading yesterday. This is part of our reading yesterday in the message version of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. It says, this is war. There is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, Jesus talking, if you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. So come on, take the challenge. Try living a life bigger than your life. Put on the towel. May you serve someone. May you save a life for eternity. Who's your one? We're called to make disciples that make disciples. We need to go big so that others can go home. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this warship. Father, would you give us the courage to go out into rough waters, to fight strong for the name of Jesus, to battle for our King, for King Jesus that is coming back to claim all of his disciples and to take us home. Jesus is not coming back for spectators. He's coming back for followers, people that serve and give and take up their towel to make a difference in the world. God, I pray that there are people today that are ready. And the beauty of what we know is that you'll never stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand? If you need to make some kind of decision for Christ today, you want somebody to pray for you, uh, Jason, Bobby, Kim, Bradley, some people will be back in the decision room. Victoria's over there. We got people who can pray with you, love on you, or tell you what it means to give your life to Jesus in baptism. Let's worship together right now. Says.